This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Welcome back to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. This is Tyler Overstreet. I'm joined by Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the phone. Hello, Dale. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. This is um, episode 200. We've been building up for this for about five years, so we have made it. Well, man, you've only been on here for about 30. I know, but we're going to take credit for what all the work that our forefathers have done. Oh, okay. Uh, um, thank you to Hopeless Records for providing today's theme song. That was Catholic Girls by The Dangerous Summer. Let's get right into Texas. <laughs> uh, we finished 35th. I'll let you walk us through the weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, the car was about, uh, I don't know, the car was about 11th to 18th place all weekend and in every practice, we were kind of 15th, it seemed like, and we couldn't make the car faster. We could change the way it drove. We could make it tighter and looser and drive bad and drive good, but we couldn't really make it faster. And, yeah, so it, it was a little frustrating from that standpoint, not really being able to find more speed. We ran really good there earlier this year. So I was, uh, you know, thinking the car would drive better than it did, but, I knew we were probably not going to be as fast as we wanted to be because we just haven't been able to keep up with the, uh, the other manufacturers. So once we got into the race, yeah, the car was okay. We, we just, you know, would run. I could keep like, uh, you know, fifth, eighth place right in front of me. Uh, we would run around 12th to 16th for most of the day. And, you know, if we got the track position, I think we, we had a good car uh, that could have ran in the top 10 or finished in the top 10. But um, we were running along there and burn up the left front hub. And, and basically how that happens is there's just so much pressure on the outer bearing. Uh, on the And it's a small bearing, but there's a lot of – with that camber in the left front and, and – stop load and all kinds of other things that factor into how much you know pressure goes into that bearing it it uh, it just got hot and burnt up it might have had a little bit to do with some brake temps or maybe not just cooling the cooling the wheel of the hub enough we did have some ducks run to the brakes and so forth and we did use a lot more brake there than you probably would have assumed but still, I never had any brake pedal, pedal fade that would tell you there's heat in the brakes. Usually when the brakes get hot, the pedal gets real soft. And um, that didn't happen. So I think the brakes were probably fine from a temperature standpoint. But maybe didn't we didn't cool the hub or cool the wheel or whatever well enough. And we had a lot of other factors with the, uh, you know, the weight on the weight and the load on that outer bearing playing a role into burning that up. It doesn't hardly ever happened greg said he's never had a bearing uh, left front hub burn up in his career and i don't think i have either 
so we had to come in and uh the damage to the to the hub uh tore up the spindle we had to change the spindle in the hub and got back out there and and had a little fun racing with the guys toward the back the 95 and a couple of the guys but in the we were in the way a little bit but trying not to be too bad in the way because i still want to have some fun one thing i was wondering is like when you have a the left front hub go bad like that what does that feel like in the car because initially it, it sounded like you thought you had a flat tire yeah it feels like a flat tire i guess um the uh you know any, you don't, don't really know what's when something breaks on the car it's hard to diagnose it right there from the driver's seat but um never having a hub burnt up you wouldn't never think hey okay the hub burnt up you would just uh either think you have a flat tire or a loose wheel or something like that because it was right after uh it was right at a restart but after that um we got out there and finished the race and um i don't know it was a pretty weird race to be honest with you i thought the track um was really slick and it's a bit hard to sort of get the car to drive the way you wanted to everybody was really loose into the corner which was pretty wild to see watching everybody deal with that and the second groove only worked for a couple people and only at certain periods of time it wasn't there the whole time the track for whatever reason seemed to be in way better shape the first race this year and i think that whatever they're doing that they're they, they have this they have this new idea about aging the track artificially and i don't believe that that is doing what they think so i think it made the track real hard to drive and only really a single groove racetrack so we'll just see uh, i guess going back next year how things go i think using the tire dragons a positive but they only need to use it in the in the second and third groove. They don't need to run the tire dragon in this in the bottom groove where we're racing because we, with our cars, are putting rubber down there. We don't need more rubber down there. We need rubber in places we're not running. But uh, they'll figure it out or they won't. And you know that track's going to be a little, you know, treacherous and, and single groove for a couple more years. I'm I'm afraid. So Harvick chased down Truex, which I think was a surprise to everyone. So Harvick wins the race. He advances to the championship four. Truex advances to the championship four on points. So you've already got three of the four guys locked in. Do you think that's anticlimactic for what they wanted, or do you think that's good now you've got five guys going for one spot at Phoenix? I, I think you could look at it either way. Um, the the playoff points and the the points after each, of the stages has definitely, you know, spread out the, the top eight guys. I mean, there's a lot of points from between guys. And, and I don't know that, I don't know that NASCAR or anybody really likes that, but you know, I, I think that it's still going to be pretty interesting to see what happens in uh, Phoenix, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be between a spot or two guys are literally either going to have to win or they're out. And so, with uh, without the stage points and and all the all the other things that have that have been awarded to the drivers throughout the season, you'd have a whole lot tighter race, I think, going into going into these final two two events. But before we get to Homestead, it's still going to be pretty dramatic. But you know, <laughs> I I think everybody's 
like, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but yeah, I think everybody's kind of taken aback on how spread out everybody is. Don't you think that that's the case? Yeah, because Brad is currently fourth, but he's 19 ahead of Denny in fifth. So if Brad gets any sort of stage points, really, he's got a nice buffer for that final stage. The, the 24 and 48, obviously, those are the guys that we would hope would make it in. They're running, they're seventh and eighth, so they're truly in must-win situation. I think everybody is. I think Denny is too. So I don't know if, you know, I think that the the stage points have all been great and fun to talk about and fun for the drivers to get, you know, these guys that have these big leads right now and, and the stage points that Brad has and, and Harvick and all those guys that they, they like those points, you know, that you want that buffer and, and that comfort zone. Uh, but I think NASCAR may be surprised at just how, spread out these guys are across the board um but it's been you know it's been pretty exciting all the way up to this point i think it'll continue to be obviously in homestead homestead it doesn't matter everybody goes back to zero the top the four going for the championship uh go back to zero and it's an even race what do you think about the fact that everyone else in the field can get stage points in the homestead race but the champions cannot the guys race for the championship. I mean, it makes sense because once you're eliminated from the point or once you're eliminated from the playoff contention, you're still like all those guys can still get fifth. So you, those points, that, that way it's the same as all year. Because I, I had wondered that, but then I thought about, oh, well, those other guys who are still jockeying for fifth to 15th or whatever that got eliminated from the playoffs, they can still work their way up. So they'll, they'll want those points. It's hard to understand, I, I think, but it's real hard to understand. I think, I think that it's gotten, you know, it, de- it definitely was real simple last year. You knew that one position was a point. That's all you had to care about. That's all you had to think about this year. There's a lot more going on, but um, I think if they could stick with this system, everybody's going to get used to it and, and get accommodated to it over time. Yeah, I think I, the prevalence of playoff points has, or um, stage points has really come into effect in the playoffs because during the year it was like, oh, okay, you did this, you did that. And it seemed like people only focused on the guy who won the stages. But in the playoffs, um, especially I've been able, I've been following the Xfinity one closely because we've got three cars going, but those stage points add up so much. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they add up. Another thing that we had this weekend was – your friend Daniel Ricardo came. He was a guest of Chase Elliott. You guys did a helmet swap. That was freaking awesome. Uh, you know, I've followed Danny, Daniel a little bit over the last several years and, and heard about his um, heard about his uh, support and, and, and thoughts about my dad. He was a big, big Earnhardt fan and um, liked NASCAR and all that stuff. So it was kind of cool to have an F1 guy that thought Dale Earnhardt Sr. was cool. Um, so I, I was a fan automatically of Daniels and he's fun to watch, man. He's got a great attitude, great personality. He enjoys what he does and, and enjoys his job. And it's fun to watch him do it because he has fun doing it. Um, we talked about, you know, meeting one day and hoping that we could, our worlds, uh, are so 
are so far apart, and we didn't know when that would happen. But Chase Elliott hosted him this weekend. Uh, so thanks to Chase, we, uh, me and a lot of other drivers and folks at NASCAR had the chance to talk to him this weekend, and it was great to ho- have him at the track. I think that he saw a uh, so he saw a lot of things about our sport that are that are quite different from from his. And uh, he went to the drivers' meeting. Obviously, that's completely different than you'll see at the F1 uh, series. Um, I, th- I imagine the grid and and drivers' intros and all that stuff may be similar. But it was good to have him there to experience it. And and he looked like he was having a blast. You know, watching it, looking at all his social media and stuff. He really seemed to be enjoying it. We did get the helmet swap, which was cool. The thing about that that's tough for me is I only really have about one or two helmets all year, and so for me to give away a helmet means that, that that's the hel- that's really a helmet that I can't keep for myself. So um, Daniel has a lot of helmets in, in one season, uh, and so I had to give up my 2014 uh, helmet to Daniel. But that was uh, it was worth it because I think that he's a legend, and I was really excited, uh, glad to have the opportunity to to talk to him and and take a picture with him. So that was pretty cool. Another story from the weekend was Matt Kenseth um, confirming that he will not be racing next year. Obviously, you guys came in, you guys competed together in the Xfinity series for those championships, came in as rookies together, and now you're essentially going to go out together. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna, uh, you know, it's two different situations, as Matt's explained in most of the interviews that I've seen. Um, this is a this is him stepping away from the sport, and and he doesn't, you know, he he would rather continue to race. He would rather have opportunity in a great car. I'm sure people are people are, you know, assuming that. He has no opportunities to race. He does have opportunities to drive cars, but they're just not the equipment and not the talent, not the the type of cars or the caliper caliber of teams that he would want to be with. And I, I don't blame him. I, you know, with his talent and his ability uh, to to continue to win races today, I would want to be with a top tier team or not not any not any team at all. So it's hard to know. You know, he, he's been with Gibbs, one of the best teams in the garage. And it's hard to make a transition and step down uh, at that point in your career. Now, that's something that you know a lot of guys have to do and will do and can do in the mid part of their careers or in their twenties and thirties. But where Matt is here, where Matt's at in his career, he doesn't have to step down. He could. He he. It basically. It basically the decision for him is having have a great opportunity and a great car, or he'll go do something else and enjoy some time off. So it's a bit different situation than mine, but still a bit emotional. And me and him's actually been talking about this for several months. And, um, and it's been, uh, you know, we've talked about how we're going to end our careers together and how we started together. And um, it's going to be an interesting weekend at Homestead, even more so now knowing that, you know, Matt's going, going out and, and retiring. The thing about that is, uh, you know, he's going to leave the door open to coming back. And 
you know, I hope that we see him again in the Cup Series at some point and in the in the type of car and equipment that he he wants to drive. Because I think that um, he's still in great health. Uh, he's still a very talented driver. He's taken really good care of himself. He's avoided injury and all those things. So, I mean, he has a lot of years to provide some team, um, you know, one of the best drivers in the series. So it's very interesting really to, to, to see, to see it all shake out. I think that we wondered when the season started and you heard about this uh, Jones kid going into the 20, what would happen, you know, and as opportunities opened up and deals came together and, and the season got further and further on into it, um, you know, it became a more difficult decision for Matt. So it's emotional, and, and, and he's having to make a decision that he'd rather not make. So it's hard. It's it's frustrating for him on, on some levels, disappointing. But he, like he said, he's a bit relieved as well to just have a decision made and go ahead and make some plans about next year. And he's got a family, an amazing family, that he'll have a lot of opportunity to spend time with. His little girls are awesome. And um, so he'll he'll enjoy being able to be around them a little bit more. And speaking of 2018, yesterday NASCAR released the start times, which we were very critical earlier this year of the 3 o'clock starts. So in most cases, they moved them up to 2.30, but there are no 1 o'clock starts. They're all, the majority of them are 2, 2.30 or 3, including the 2.30 p.m. Eastern time start to the Daytona 500. What Going into the booth, oh my gosh, do you have an opinion on that? Well, I'd, re- I'd read about this, and, and I don't have an opinion about it. I just don't get it, you know. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, what, uh, 2.30? I mean, it's just so random, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, 2.30 is more random than 3. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, I'm still a, a, I'm still a proponent of a 1 o'clock start time, a 4 o'clock start time, or a 7.30 start time. Um, similar to the NFL, it seems like you would know, you can plan and predict when these races are going to start. The start time is in a, in a bit of a no man's land. It doesn't have an identity. That's that's what kind of bugs me. Uh, and we're just kind of, we're getting on the train and kind of just taking whatever seat's open. And we should be taking the seat we want. You know what I mean? Um, but it is what it is. Another thing that came out of Texas weekend is we announced the In Appreciation, an evening with Dale Earnhardt Jr. event that will be happening on November 28th in Las Vegas to kick off Champions Week. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. We're um, going to have some fun. It's fans only. And uh, so the, we have, uh, I don't know, like 250 or some tickets for sale. Or that's the, that's uh, we got 200 or some tickets left. So fans can come in there. We're going to have some guests. I don't know who the guests are. Uh, Mike's going to surprise me with all the guests. That'll be a lot of fun. That's kind of going to be the most fun part for me. Um, I'm going to host it with Mike. So we thought about getting a, a host to, to to handle those duties, but we're going to host it. So should be a lot of fun. There'll be some great stories. And I'm sure that Mike's got a lot of surprises in store. Uh, all the uh, proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, go to the Nationwide Children's Hospital. We wanted to do something that the fans could be a part of 
and the fans could enjoy, uh, but also, uh, you know, raise, raise money for the, for the children's hospital. And, um, NASCAR signed off on that, thought that was a great idea. So here we are. I'm excited about it. You can go to championsweek.nascar.com or we've tweeted it from your account, posted on Instagram, and it's also on your Facebook page. So if you want more information on tickets, go to any of those channels. All right, now we're going to get to our Ask Junior questions. As always, we get these questions from Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. At ZRad81 asked, if you could design a short track for the Cup Series, how big would it be, what shape, and where would it be located? Well, I would like to design uh, a track either identical to Martinsville, but with asphalt corners, or I would design a track identical to bristol with asphalt corners and i would probably put that west of the mississippi i think it'd be cool to see how that might do out even in california or somewhere on the on the west coast at sean dante asked how did you convince your sponsors to let you keep your beard since they didn't like it at first well i think after i had it for such a long time it became odd without it uh, when I shaved, uh, when I, when I first started, uh, going out with Amy, she hated any kind of facial hair and now she doesn't like it when I shave completely cause it just looks so strange. So I think that's just something that people just got used to. And now plus, you know, um, I'm real hardheaded about it. And sometimes they tell me to shave and I just show up with a beard <laughs> and that's fun to deal with. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you've you've had to handle most of those situations. All right. At, at 48 underscore dominates, how would you adjust the rules for the cars moving forward after this year? Changes to the splitter, spoiler, side skirts, anything else, or just leave them alone for a while? I, I think, I don't know. I think you maybe we just leave them alone for a while. The, you know, we've had changes on, on top of changes on top of changes. And I just think that we haven't, we haven't made the racing better we haven't made it worse with all the aero changes that have happened maybe in the last 10 years uh five years we haven't really seen a a difference in the racing where you go oh okay that's a great direction or that's made a difference you know we just haven't seen that so i don't know that there's a change that you could make or that you could count on or depend on um making that that you think you know you know would go in the right direction so i don't think there's no there's no point in changing things just to be changing so i think i'd leave it alone let this let this ride out another year or two and uh see what direction the the teams go with it the teams are the ones that you know whatever change you make they'll adapt and they'll they'll continue to find speed so i would just try to uh you know keep things the same for a while and allow the teams to continue to evolve and and that that that'd be a good direction, I believe. Some consistency. At Susan three four five six one two asked, "Will you decrease the amount of cycling you do during the off season? How much will cold weather influence your decision?" Uh, cold weather shouldn't influence my decision too much. Uh, they make great great clothes for cold weather rides, and and 
I think, uh, you know, I want to stay in shape and I want to, I want to sleep well and feel good and have energy and all those things. So I'm going to continue to ride. If you stop riding for a week or two, it's really hard to get back going again. And, uh, to be able to sustain, um, the gains that you make on the bike, you got to continue to do it. So I want to be able to show up next year and ride with all the guys, uh, at the racetrack and stuff, just like we do now or all my friends back home. And I don't want to feel like I have to start all over again and, and get myself back into shape. At pro hunting asked, how much are you looking forward to Phoenix this weekend after Alex almost won there last year and you won there the year before in the fall race? Oh, pro hunting, huh? Oh, pro hunting. This is why I'm doing this on, uh, yeah, this is why we're doing this podcast separately because I'm hunting and you're back at the office. Um, what was the question? Sorry. How much are you looking forward to Phoenix this weekend after Alex almost won there last year and you won there the the year before? I'm going in there thinking that we're going to have to work hard to make something happen. We're going to have to really put a good effort in during practice and uh, show up with a car that's got some speed. It's going to take some effort to, to, to get ourselves to make some of the gains that we need to make. Um, but I do like the racetrack. It is the second to last race in my career. So we'll be wanting to make it a memorable one and, and have a good result. All right. That's all the Ask Junior questions for this week. As always, you can keep sending us those questions on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, now looking ahead, Thursday we're going to head west, and you'll be in L.A. doing Jimmy Kimmel Live. That's Thursday night. Friday, practice and qualifying at Phoenix. Qualifying's at 6.45 p.m. Eastern time on NBC Sports Network. Saturday, two practices, one at 11.30 a.m. and the other at 2 p.m. Eastern time, both on sport NBC Sports Network. The Xfinity race is at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC uh jrm drivers are one two three heading into the last race before the championship at homestead so hopefully all three of those guys lock in sunday the race is at 2 30 p.m eastern time on nbc yeah absolutely man it's gonna be fun being on kimmel we've been talking about this for a couple months me and you um it's always an enjoyment being on that show so can't wait to see what he has to ask us and, and uh, talk about um Looking forward to the Xfinity race this weekend with our guys trying to get themselves into the, the the final race at Homestead. That's going to be really exciting. It'll be fun to see the, you know what four guys make it. Um, and then you know we're going to uh, we're going to Phoenix for the final race in the Nationwide Car. And uh, everybody knows about that relationship and how much that's meant to me. And uh, so it's important to me that we we have a good finish for them. All right, that's it for this week's show. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll right. be back next week.
Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo' Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo' Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 